To read Back to Reality, the best-selling novel of the bestseller experiment by the two marks, go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash back to reality. And subscribe to this podcast to get loads of extra bonuses. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash subscribe. Let's run the show. And welcome to the bestseller experiment where we continue to discover what makes a bestseller and inspire you to start finish and publish your book i'm mark say and i'm mark devoe and before we dive into this very special live and direct episode Woo! of the bestseller experiment we are here live and direct we want to thank our sponsors pro writing aid the official editing yes. software of the bestseller experiment pro writing aid is so much more than a grammar checker it's a style editor and a writing mentor all in one lovely little package um the other thing i love about it is it integrates with everything it integrates with scrivener integrates with word google docs chrome safari firefox office outlook everything you can imagine it's designed for the smarter writer which is all of you folks so pop over to prowritingaid.com forward slash bestseller if you want to get a whopping 20 percent off right now mr stay welcome to you sir welcome to you sir but we're not alone we're, we're not, not alone. alone we have to be in our bestest bestest behavior we because yeah. we have a special guest on the live show and this is beck evans beck was previously a guest on a deep dive episode 199 if you want to check that out she was discussing her book how to have a happy hustle but since then she has surveyed over three and a half thousand authors about their writing habits and discovered some incredibly useful data on how writing little and often can improve your productivity and creativity as a writer we're going to be talking about toggling tiny habits micro challenges and being spontaneous beck evans welcome to the live show how are you today i'm very good thank you for having me it's absolutely Absolute lovely pleasure. to have you and for those of us live in the studio and we also want to say hello to all of our patrons who've signed in today to be with us live asking questions and chatting like crazy on the sidebar but for everyone here they can see us live on video and uh, beck you've got the most organized bookshelf i think i've ever seen it looks absolutely beautiful <laughs> <laughs> thank you you see Excellent. the rest of the house <laughs> well yeah exactly though no, it's all good it's all good it's lovely i i'm gonna as soon as this is finished i'm gonna be rushing off to get mine sorted because it's a right old mess i tell you that so beck you've been um you uh, experimenting is probably the wrong word because if you want to experiment on writers you should probably strap them to a chair give them a blank piece of paper and say ha, write something and that would terrify them but you've been looking at their habits their writing habits and and this is on theme for us this idea of writing little and often uh what have you discovered Oh, I am an absolute writing habit geek. So I have to make sure I turn some of these insights into some proper tips for all of you. But there is so much to sort of figure out about how people um, how people write. And I'm a big believer in learning from what other people do but never judging and sort of comparing yourself. So that's my first thing is that whatever I say, take it as a piece of inspiration and don't, don't feel bad that you don't do it in the same way because that's the worst thing you can do for your own kind of writing productivity. But in summary, the short uh, approach is that there's four main ways that we find people find time to write and it goes all the way from the what's kind of the classic productivity tip which is write every day 
which is a brilliant way to write, but actually can make a lot of people feel very bad because it's not possible for all of us. Um, all the way through from binge writing, which is a kind of little and often, a uh, little kind of for long periods, if that makes sense. So big breaks in between your writing to um, a much more spontaneous approach and a scheduled approach. And I can sort of dig through what all those four approaches are and how you can make the most of them. But I was wondering if, um, I don't know if people here have a particular approach they use. I mean, do they swear by daily? And with your uh, challenge for 2020, is everyone managing to write every single day? Yes, a very interesting question. In fact, one thing we have discovered from the statistics at this end is that most, the majority of people are writing every day. Not every, not every single one of those people are remembering to submit their word count, which is interesting. But there are still people who are struggling, and and I th- I can understand why because I think within the whole routine and habit of side of things, sometimes the day just gets away with you, and that's why we've really been talked about doing a streak and then not beating yourself up if you miss a day. Um, but yeah, I think so. There is it's interesting, even with a, a challenge of two hundred words a day, there are still still people that are struggling. So there's. It, it asks the question, how can those people, like we want everyone to be able to take part. So how can we get those people to, to focus and write? I can, I mean, we, uh, Mark Hood, who's with us tonight as one of the, one of our patrons joining us on the live show, he put a post up on the BXP team and I can give you, he asked how everyone was getting on and he, he was just deluged with answers, but I'll, I'll pick out a few. I mean, Mark himself said, uh, you know, he, he's managed to write every day. His lowest was 210 words, a highest 1,975, and completed a half outline, 25,000 words in a month, which is great. It says, it's been easier than I thought to keep up with it. With that low target means there's a lot less resistance if I don't just feel like it. Uh, so Richard Batbrewster said, reasonable first month, often writing more than 200 each day, and only a few days when I struggled to reach 200. Uh, we had Ed Howard, did it every day, which is unbelievable, managed about 23,000 words. Uh, some days were a real struggle. Interesting to see that what happens when you have the discipline just ride through it 200 words always seems doable and woodward wrote all but a couple of days reached 24,000 words amelia vincent over 25,000 words you know so people are really kind of smashing it. it it does seem to be working for people yeah and it's so it's so important so like whatever goal you set yourself you um it works to, to start really small. So that whole idea of getting some quick wins. So setting a, a low word count. Um, and I would often suggest with people getting back into writing is that they start with something even lower than 200 because you can build the momentum because you want to kind of get that, that positive feedback loop going. And that makes a huge difference. And it's great to hear that people aim for 200 and exceed it because they are feeling really good about their progress, which means they're more likely to continue one of the key things around sort of daily habit is um, a lot of people struggle to find out where it fits in their day so it's really worth playing around with what that looks like and literally before you even start um, one of the suggestions is you attach your daily writing to a habit you do already so something that's in your current routine and then you start to get the association between them. So a lot of people do their writing first thing in the morning because you have quite a lot of routine. A lot of people have a lot of routine in the morning. So doing it immediately after breakfast, doing it, you know, on your commute, getting to a coffee shop before you go into the office is a really good way of kind of fusing the habit into your routine. 
And it, there's no set time for how long it takes to build a, a habit. Um, that kind of data around um, it takes 21 days or 60 to four days, it, it completely depends on the habit. And writing is often seen as quite hard. So it's quite hard to create a habit that sticks permanently um, because there's quite a lot of resistance to doing it. So um, you just have to kind of, the, the more you build it into your day, the easier it can be. But what what I suggest is that people have like a backup plan for their for their if they miss their daily routine, because even if you regularly write immediately after breakfast, there are some days you've got to get the kids to school earlier or go to the dentist. So you are going to have um, just life and everything else getting in the way. So using one of the other approaches. So the spontaneous approach can be a really um, a really good one and this is one that's really growing with um people having quite unpredictable routines and it's particularly amongst academics who use something called toggling which is writing for less than 15 minutes um, and they often it's been observed there's been some studies of watching academics move across campus where they literally go from one lecture and then they'll sit down at a coffee shop or um, in the library and do 15 minutes and then go to their next thing. And you can actually, by grabbing those moments and being a bit more spontaneous, you can make huge progress. But the tip with that is to be prepared. So know what you're going to write and have the tools with you so you can seize those opportunities. So don't worry if you can't become one of those habit-driven, regular routine people. Um, it's, there, there are alternatives. That's fantastic. I love the idea. I remember that one of our um, BXP team members saying that instead of asking his son and Sharon, his son, to get ready to go to school, he decided to write for 15 minutes. He wrote his 200 words. His son showed up at the door on time. <laughs> was yeah. good. So it's something about snatching those little moments in your day, which I think, I think so many people don't realise that's where the wins are. We think we yeah. don't have the time, but we do have those little, little slots. And if we can make... The habit around using those that can be huge Hayley Coulter here has a question is it your writing routine or habit you need to focus on or should you look at your overall routine and see if there is something else that needs to be refocused to allow yeah. time so yeah, that goes back to what you're saying about finding finding the perfect spot yeah so um so if we take these these kind of different approaches so the the regular routine is often seen as kind of same time same place part of your habit um and that's often seen as the gold standard but i would say don't get don't get hung up on that at all um for other people and this it, it varies across with when we when we do our surveys we look at different types of writers and um we find that um creative writers are more likely to have either a binge writing approach or um, <laughs> a, um, uh, the spontaneous and the scheduled, whereas um, academics very much go for this scheduled approach. So what they would do is look across a week or two and go, I'm not going to be able to write daily. That's impossible. But I can write three times a week and just literally time box it. So schedule it into your calendar and treat it like any other appointment um, and we've done we often cro cross our data with things like satisfaction fulfillment you know how happy they are with their writing and how productive they are which is uh, there's two measures how much they've actually published how much they actually write and um um 
and how they feel about their productivity. And we have found that daily writers are the happiest because I think they're probably quite smug because they're all getting up at 5am and doing their (laughs) yoga and drinking their lemon tea and feeling really proud of themselves. Whereas scheduled writers are actually more productive because they go, I've only got 90 minutes, I've got to get this done and I'm not going to write again until next week. So let's go for it. So they actually get more done. And I think it fits very much with this kind of pragmatic approach we have. You know, we have lives, we have jobs, we have families. Our time is very precious and writing fits alongside those other priorities. So it might only be something we could do every couple of days or twice a week. I find it fascinating that if they're creative writers, they tend to binge and be more spontaneous because they're waiting for the muse. And of course, as we know from our friend Shannon Mayer, you know, that... Your muse is your bitch. You can't, you know, you have to turn up and, and do that. We had uh, a very early on, we spoke to Nick Osler and Mark Huckabee, who are screenwriters, and they write a lot of children's television. They're up against great deadlines. They've got like, they've been doing uh, the Moomins. So they've got 23 episodes of the Moomins to write in six months or whatever. And they said they just don't, they can't afford to have writer's block. They have to turn up every day. And I guess that's if you're an academic, you've got students waiting for you or whatever. You've got to deliver to a certain deadline. Whereas, um, you know, if you're if you're writing a novel and there is no deadline, the temptation is just to let that, you know, oh, whenever I'll do it whenever kind of thing. Yeah, I I think definitely. I think um, we did quite a lot of research into academics because we found amongst all the writers that we've worked with all the way from, um, you know, screenwriters, scriptwriters, poets, short story writers, novelists, nonfiction business and sort of academics. Academics are under the most pressure. And so it's really interesting to look at extremes of writers because you can really figure out what's going on there. So they have to write to get promoted, but they never have any time to write because they're meant to be doing all the lecturing and everything else. So it's this kind of wonderful, horrible mess of kind of pressure that they're under. But what was really interesting around academics is they often start as PhDs where they write daily because it's all they have to do. Um, And they kind of feel like they've got all the time in the world and then they all panic towards their final deadline. Um, And what we found is how academics, we did sort of longitudinal studies across their whole careers about how their writing patterns change. And I think that's something that we should all learn from because how we write now won't necessarily be how we write in the future or how we've written in the past. So if you were a brilliant daily writer and it worked brilliantly for you and you felt wonderful and productive and you can't do that now you can get quite disheartened so what I encourage people to do is experiment with different approaches because you'll find something that's going to work now um, and then it will change again in the future so don't get disheartened if what you used to do no longer works I think of very specifically people uh, young young parents who didn't have kids <laughs> and then a child comes along and then suddenly their routine is no longer their own they're, they're dictated by when a nappy needs changing or when something yeah. needs feeding or just the physical tiredness of thinking I just haven't got the energy to write but I think what's kind of fascinating about what we're saying Beck is I, what I'm hearing is is that the more routine we can establish in our life wherever we're at whatever age and whatever stage Mm. the more likelihood is that we're gonna we're gonna be able to get through those harder times where our schedules are like roller coasters and i think that's where um you know for someone to say he's retired who's got all all the time in the world i mean we know that's a myth anyway it's retirement but for people when they've got a lot of time to write um you know 
it can be just as hard as well to get a writing routine because there's no real push or pressure. And so yeah. it's it's so fascinating to know that it's actually down to the individual, but it's also something that we can't guarantee is going to be the same for years and years and that we have to almost have this flexibility to allow ourselves to to shift a bit like our, our character might do in our story over time. It won't necessarily turn out the way we think. So what would you, what would you say would be from the, the statistics and the things you've looked at? Um, we've just done a quick poll actually in the studio and 57% of our studio audience do have a daily writing habit yet 50, uh, 40, 43% don't. So yeah. what kind of tips could you give those 43% who are, they're all saying in the chat, you know, well, I, I don't have a habit, but I'm desperate to, to start one. What's yeah. the starting point? What would be the thing you would say to them? Do these three things tomorrow to get going. So the first thing is to kind of manage your expectations around that because you might want a daily writing habit, but if you're part of the 200 EXP challenge, what you're really looking for is over a week or two weeks to hit a certain word count goal. So it might be that what you need to do is kind of step back. It's like, here's the goal I'm aiming for. So every week I'm aiming for 1400 words. Um, and knowingly that you can only get there on three or five days rather than seven. So that's one way of kind of like stop beating yourself up about not having a daily writing habit, but still achieving the same goal because you are keeping parallel with all the peers where you've got this amazing accountability structure. So basically don't compare yourself to the practice, compare yourself with the kind of what, what you're all aiming for together. So that would be the first thing. Um, and it's, it's starting to experiment. This is what, what you're all about. Experiment with what with what works. So what time of day works? Can you can you literally sit down and brainstorm when you could write? You know, what habits you've got in your routine. If you're really focused on having that daily writing routine. So what do you do each day that's a regular routine? Is there anything you can attach writing to? Um, come up with kind of 10, 15, you know, 50 ways you could achieve that. So it could be, I'm going to get up half an hour earlier. I'm going to go to bed in the evening. I'm not going to watch telly and then prioritize those. So which of those things can you do? Do you want to do? Because of course we can all get up an hour earlier, but for most of us, that's just hideous. You know, it's just, it's not possible. You know, we're, we're pushed enough. So, so don't come up with all the ideas about how you could do it, but genuinely prioritize them on what, feels right for you what feels exciting for you what feels possible and you're sort of capable of doing um i think we spend so much time sort of worrying about the habit rather than kind of stepping back and looking at it sort of holistically how we could go about it but as well as sort of attaching it to something you do already thinking about ways you can fit it into your day um being sort of really, really clear about, you know, why you're doing it, finding that motivation for it and making it feel a bit more fun because sometimes we just beat ourselves up about this. And if you get start to feel negative about your writing in any way, you are going to get yourself into one of those little spirals where all you do is feel bad about your writing and you need to start feeling good about your writing if you're going to continue doing it. So anything that makes you feel good about it, so there's a lot of stuff in kind of habits where they talk about rewards. And the key to rewards mm. is that it, it fits in this kind of dopamine cycle in our brain. But that has to be in absolutely 
instantaneous reward. So you are connecting the activity with writing with something pleasurable. But for some people, you might just need an incentive. So I used to do a thing where um, I wouldn't have my morning coffee until I'd done my writing. So I was kind of like desperately trying to hit my words so I could then go have a decent (laughs) cup of coffee. That's like a bribe or an incentive or a goal to aim for. Um, It's not the same as having a, a kind of like a habit loop um, reward, but it was one that kind of got me going. That's interesting. Yeah, I, very, I, yeah, I have on. a cup of tea lined up at nine thirty every morning. That's that's my first break of the morning. So yeah, yeah. That, I'm definitely yeah. in that cycle as well. Yeah. One yeah. of the things we had was chocolate biscuits, but you're right. The habit has to. Apparently, in science, they they say that the dopamine effect only works if if you have the reward during or. Yeah literally milliseconds after you complete it somebody said if you actually give yourself say uh they said as an example if you go for a two-week run Mm. and and your reward is uh, the week later you're going to treat yourself to massage because the massage is like three or four days after the event the actual scientific effect of dopamine doesn't attach that massage with having finished it so it has to be instantaneous and that's something we're learning that i think it's interesting there's so many mis misconceptions around habits aren't there and i mean this 21 days to create habits a classic one which is such a load of rubbish and and yeah but when i read that i i didn't you know when i first read it i thought you know i just always assumed that was that was a, some obvious scientific thing are there any other interesting things around habits myths that you've discovered in your research especially around writing um i mean as a general rule i try not to talk too much around um having a writing habit because for it is it it almost defies the definition of what a habit is so I would rather talk around having a writing routine or a writing system which is kind of like a lot bigger so then you can start to look at things like accountability structures that that support you sort of in your wider wider writing life rather than just this very kind of narrow definition of having having a habit Um, so that would probably be be the, the first one. But I think you can learn a lot from the kind of neuroscience and psychology of habits. So again, going back to that idea of a reward, you know, use it as an incentive or a bribe. And that that is quite helpful. And one of the things um, that they talk a lot around habits now is that habit is all about emotion. So it's all about how you feel. And we often underestimate that so feeling good about writing is one of the most important things you can do so making it a pleasurable experience so as you say it could be making that cup of coffee to have while you're writing you know a lot of people we're all sort of stationary fetishists you know have that nice notebook because <laughs> it will actually make a bit of a difference to you doing it so Absolutely. yeah don't forget the pleasure in the process because it's hard enough that kind of beating yourself yeah. up in the criticy stuff that we deal with around, you know, writing and going public with what we're working on. Absolutely. There's some. Um, we've, we've had a couple of people of... actually in the chat room that are talking about something very specific. Yeah, go for it, Mark. I was well. You might be talking about the same thing. Uh, Jack Logan here is talking about my father-in-law, a lecturer, wrote several books when he was working, but once he retired, he was going to write a book. He got nothing done. Haley Coulter says it's weird. If I take a day off to write, I don't get as much done compared to the days I don't have any time. And certainly for me, because I used to write on my commute, and then I was made redundant. Suddenly, I had all day to write, and I was very conscious of the fact that I had to carve out time at the beginning of the day because otherwise it would be Netflix, Netflix, Netflix all the way, you know. So I've I've had to, and, you know, 
make sure get into that routine. I get up, get dressed. You know, uh, I'm I'm here for work, if you like, because I've always had that work mentality. So it is it is about. Well, we've we've talked about the Pomodoro technique on here as well, haven't we, Mister D? That thing of having a a ticking clock and knowing that you need to get something done by a certain time. Yeah, I mean, we we work quite a, a lot with constraints, and we do um, at Flifco. We do we coach writers, often ones who are genuinely blocked, so particularly academics who just haven't written for years and are kind of getting under quite a lot of pressure to 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 get stuff published. Um, and what we start with doing is, is setting them those ridiculously tiny, tiny things to do. And they often say things. So one of the things we found is that the, the binge writing version for um, academics is sabbaticals. And people who write on sabbatical are the least productive and the least happy, uh, the least um, fulfilled. So having right. too much time is actually far more dangerous than not having enough. So, mm. so if you're feeling yeah. very busy, you're actually quite blessed. Um, so what we do is we artificially increase constraints and anyone can do this. So Pomodoro is absolutely brilliant, but even smaller amounts of time, because people, you know, because particularly if you've written in the past, you'll know that, yeah, it takes me an hour and a half and I'm well in the flow. And that's like a real sweet spot. So you kind of have this in your head. So you think, well, there's no point in writing for less than an hour and a half, or there's no point in writing for an hour or 45 minutes or 10 minutes. So we'll just say, right, write for five minutes. Um, And using things like, um, whether you call them pre-writing rituals, they can be really important to kind of get the engine going. So um, all the research is based around free writing, but using things like free writing and using looping where you pick up on what you've done in your free writes, but setting the clock. So I'm a big fan of like, give yourself five minutes. Um, And if we want to dig into procrastination, I mean, I'm a I've been talking to people about procrastination for years and helping people figure out what they procrastinate on and why they do that. And also using that as either a trigger for writing. So for me, I love Twitter. So I might find myself, you know, scrolling, uh, but I'll, I'll just say, okay, you know, I've got my desk, it's cold, it's dark. I don't really want to write yet. So I'll give myself five minutes and then you kind of take the phone away, switch off all your notifications or use it as your treat afterwards. So figure out what you do instead. And again, brainstorm, get a piece of paper. So literally think the last time I meant to write and I didn't, what did I do instead? What was my procrastination tendency? And then go, and what are the other things I do when I was meant to be writing? And then get that whole list up and then try to, we get people to design these anti-procrastination environments. So you can use, again, theories from behavior change and um, economic theories about choice architecture. So, you know, in your office, are you being distracted by stuff? So your anti-procrastination environment might be clear your office, work in a coffee shop, go to a library, you know, work, work somewhere else where you don't have the things that distract you. Yeah, I think I think we should really talk about procrastination a bit later on, though, don't you? I, I just, you know, <laughs> so much other stuff we could be focusing on at this point in time. But <laughs> One thing I've, because um, uh, I, I love the editing process. I love it when I've got a draft and I can get and take it apart and put it back together again. That is, for me, is always the most enjoyable part of the process. The I get the fear, and I think a lot of writers get this, 
when you're starting a new project, when you're thinking, oh, God, I've got to start this. Because if you've been through the process, you know it's not two drafts and you're done. It's, you know, many, many drafts and a, a development edit and then a copy edit and then a line edit and a proofread. And you here we go again, you know. Um, so are there any good coping mechanisms for, for getting around the fear? Is it that free writing thing? Is it just getting stuff on the yeah. page? Yeah, so I found when I was, um, it was really interesting when I was writing my book last year, I was sort of seeing, sort of seeing all that experience myself. And I used to get the fear at the beginning of every chapter. So that, you know, you have it initially at the beginning of the project. But I found like every chapter, I was just that kind of like, how do I get into it? But there was there was two things really one was understanding it's part of the process so realizing that there is a certain amount of fear there are stakes involved it is important to you um but then figuring out what it is to get you going and you know the only way you know to finish a book you have to do that first draft however whether you call Mm. it draft zero you know your shitty first draft whatever you call it you just want beginning to end you want that outline so you have to kind of go as fast as you can to get through it because all the magic happens in the edit um, and yeah. people just develop different tips. I mean, I just say when people get hit a block, you know, how can you jump over it? You know, what do, what do you do? Because um, one technique we use with writers is actually having worry diaries. So it's based in kind of uh, behavioral therapy. Um, but it works really well because often writers have notepads. So it's helpful because um, but when you hit a stumbling block, make a note of it, because what you're doing is you're calming down your brain. You're telling your brain, I've paid attention to this. So you're not freaking out about it. So from a neuroscience perspective, it, it works quite well. But I find they're really great edit notes because the things you're spotting are gen- they, they will have some truth in them. Like my character isn't quite right or I need to do some more research here. But the point is, is you don't need to do that now. You can do that later. So by parking right. it, it means you can keep moving, but you've made a note of what's what's important. But it does all that wonderful calming, sort of calming your brain down, keeping you, allowing you to have that momentum to keep going. That's fantastic. So it's actually a worry diary about the book you're writing rather yeah. than just a worry diary about your life in general. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I would say to people, I mean, a lot of what we do is like focus on what what went well and what went badly and what you've learned from so again it, you start to associate the good things about your writing because there's always one thing you know you've always written one good word or you've always had a bit of flow you know or you worked for 15 minutes or you managed to work for an hour so always find something that went well but but make a note of the things that didn't and just go yeah oh, i'm going to come back to these yeah, and it gets it out of your head ultimately, so it frees up your creativity to yeah. focus on the things that are working, which I love. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Really, really good. Um, we have a really interesting question, actually. A couple of people in the chat have talked about um, illness and writing, and it's a very common thing. We, we actually did a quite a few mental health episodes, and we're going to be doing more of those in the future, and they're always very, very popular because there's a lot of unspoken things around this. Now, um, Rachel says that um, she's, find, she's finding it... Um, or adapting her writing method from being a, a pantser to a plotter. And it's been really difficult um, due to a recent diagnosis of a debilitating condition. And she's wondering if you have any advice on how she can make the transition easier and more obtainable because she's been stuck in a rut. So there's, there's, I suppose there's two sides to that. One is the actual, the, the process of changing your practice. And the other one is 
how you feel about it. And they're, they're two separate things, really, because the process of learning how to do it is just like any new skill. It takes time and application and you need to make mistakes and learn from them and try, try better. You know, it's hard learning new skills. So it's going to take a bit of time and practice to, 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 to get better, at, you know, changing. So, so be kind to yourself about that, but also recognize what's hard about it. Why, why is that giving you um, anxiety? What, what's the fear that's really going on there? Um, and sort of exploring that as well can help with the process too, because it might be that actually you really want to be a bit of a pantser. So can you give yourself some free writing so you're allowed to explore things in a different way? Um, so balancing different techniques as well can make a real difference. That's fascinating. Yeah. And I think there's so, I mean, that again, it's almost a whole episode in itself, isn't it? In terms of how, how you deal with, with things like that, because again, illness is another one of those routine breakers because you never quite know how you'll be feeling. Now, going back to something you mentioned earlier as well about time of day, do you, did you find within your research, uh, looking at when people write, do you find if most people tend to write in the morning or the evening, is there, if there tends to be a connection between the success of writing every day and when people write? Yeah, so a lot of the, the research and the stuff that we found is there's a big chunk of writers who write in the morning and it makes sense from a kind of um, a distraction and a, you know, whether you call it like a willpower perspective. And it's like, for a lot of people, it's like getting the most important thing the thing they do for themselves out the way so they can concentrate on everything else for the rest of the day. So um, it's a really good approach to write in the morning, but um, not everybody has that kind of body clock. Uh, so I think there's fewer people who are night owls, but for them it would be a nightmare to do anything in the morning. But one piece of research that um, I looked into is about how people are actually more creative at the opposite end of the day to when they're naturally productive. So if you consider yourself a morning person, you know, you get up and you're ready to go and you're great at getting on to task, you might not be at your most creative. So sometimes it's worth experimenting with the opposite end of the day to see how you do stuff. Um, Another thing we get people to do is, is look at their schedule and literally think about their kind of red, amber and green times of day. So green is when you know you've got time to write and you're able to write and feeling creative. Red is when you're booked and you can't do anything. So basically stop feeling bad about it. You know, there's 10 hours of the day where you can't do any writing. That's life stop stop feeling bad but there's these kind of amber periods which might be ones which could be useful for grabbing for sort of spontaneous writing or doing things like um planning reading editing research filing you know there's actually quite a lot of admin with writing bizarrely mm, so yeah. you know fit that in at the other times of the day and i always say to people um I mean, you've got a goal where you're focused on 200 words a day, but I like to think about writing as a routine. So if I'm doing anything that moves my writing on, that counts as writing, except when it's procrastinating. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. And for, for anyone who missed the interview, I really recommend going back to episode 199 because Mark had a brilliant deep dive with you. But we we like to celebrate on this podcast, don't we, Mark? We like to celebrate when celebration oh, yeah. is due. Yeah, yeah, We're yeah. all about shouting out. And we, we just want to congratulate congratulate you bet because your book how to have a happy hustle has recently been nominated for the business awards am i correct yes yeah, yeah it's very congratulations <laughs> that's nice. amazing you must Fantastic. be over the moon yes definitely 
And not only it was it was also I think uh, voted book of the month when it first came out. So this is this is the second bit of huge recognition you've got for the book. That must be so rewarding for you after all of the time and effort spent putting it together. Yes, I mean, as we all know, there's a big difference between the writing process and the publishing and the kind of marketing and, and how, how and if readers ever read it either. So, yeah, it's, it's very, it, yeah, it feels really nice when people do like it. So if you, haven't, if you haven't checked out Beck's book, I really recommend you to go and do it because it is about hustling. It's about the things we all have to do as a writer and amongst everything else we do, the side hustle. There's so many great bits of advice in there. And um, I, I recommend people checking it out. You can get it on Amazon and all the other good bookstores. And also, Beck, if people want to check out more about the, the work that you do, because you also have a company called Prolifico with a K. Um, how do they best find out about your other work as well? Yeah, so the business I run is called Prolifico. So P-R-O-L-I-F-I-K-O. You can find us dot com and we're on Twitter and we're starting to play around with Instagram. But we have a newsletter that goes out every fortnight, which is full of kind of sciencey, habity sorts of tips and advice. So do um you know, sign up for the newsletter to find out more. And you can find me on uh, Twitter and all the usual places, procrastinating at Eva <laughs> underscore Beck. So, yeah. Absolutely awesome. Well, Beck, it's been so wonderful having you on the show today. In this live environment, I think you are one of the first guests we've ever had live on the live show, which is amazing. And I'm so pleased that uh, that we got here. We got to we got to this place and absolutely brilliant. So thank you so much for your time, Beck. And uh, well, it'd really be interesting to hear, maybe have you come back on the show um, as your research comes in. And obviously we've got all this great research we're getting done with the BXP 2020 and we can kind of cross some notes and see what other things we can discover to help people. Oh, definitely. It's been a real pleasure. So thank you very much. And good luck, everybody. And hit those goals. Fantastic. Thank, thank you, Thank you Beck. so much, Beck. And Mark Cheers. and I are going to carry on with a deep dive as Beck leaves the studio. It's so nice to see you, Beck. So, Mr. Stay, that was... There's so much to discuss there, isn't there? I don't know where to start. Well, I love the book worry idea I love uh, or the worry diary and mark hood has said uh he said my book worry notebook is the comment feature in scrivener that way the problems are highlighted already when i come to the edit i do that i do that you know because usually I'll, I'll write something read it back and go no, that doesn't work but rather than dwell on it i'll just leave a note saying you know this is crap fix it later you know so it's um it's a little just reminds me where the little bumps in the road are as as i go along uh shell says she keeps a dream journal next to the bed i have some wacky ones but occasionally something makes enough sense to write down and i've used uh, for some of those pre-sleep ideas too and again you know that thing i've got a you know little pad by the bed so if if i get any ideas you know i scribble that they usually it looks like a ransom note from a maniac you know it's just you know <laughs> talk about free writing but yeah I, I i love this idea of of the worry diary just you know make a note leave it there then you can come back to it just keep moving forward yeah and actually it kind of triggered something in my mind as well when we talked about the mental health side of things i think it would be amazing for people who are struggling because we had this question earlier about you know is it about your routine of your life or is it your routine of habit that you should be focusing on if people find the worry diary useful for their their story or their book that they're writing you could make it bigger and you could actually add that i mean i think a lot of people use a journal it can become a worry diary for some people where you kind of like put down all your thoughts but if you're not doing that how about the idea of actually using a diary for your life and and talking about all the things that are concerning you because those are going to be weighing down on you 
when you write as well. And if this idea of getting things onto paper helps to kind of get things out of your head and relieve a bit of the tension and the stress mm. and the anxiety around what's happening, maybe that will also help the the writing. So it could be almost like a twofold approach and one feeds the other. Absolutely. The other thing Beck said that I was really interested was this idea of accountability structures, uh, which is similar because we've been talking about, you know, you, you had a buddy, didn't you? When you started doing this, you were checking in with someone. And I've noticed that, that Claire, since she started doing this, she will come down and tell me how many words she's done and, you know, tell me a little bit about the story. And I have to tell, Shh, don't tell me, don't tell me, don't spoil it. So it is, it is this thing of just checking in with people saying, I've done this, I've done this, which is, you know, why the BXP group is so great because Robin does the check-in thing at the end of every week and everyone, you know, talks about what kind of week they've had. And it doesn't matter if you've had a good week or a bad week, you're just checking in and you're still, you're still in the game. You've still got skin in the game. You know, you're still a writer, even Definitely. if you've had a crummy week. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things we've been learning as we've gone through, and weirdly enough, we wrote this book together back to reality. So we had that natural accountability, which is weirdly enough, something we never really discussed much. But now we're doing the experiment. We're recognizing just how valuable that is and helping us get to that goal of writing it in a year. But I do I do think that it's very important to explore that idea of a writing buddy. Uh, it's definitely something we're looking to to integrate into the into the experiment in the future as well because i think writing as we've said before is one of the loneliest hobbies professions you know whichever level you you consider yourself at um it really is lonely you, you're kind of in your own head all the time you can only write by yourself you can't be distracted and so we do have to build these ideas of additional support groups and a writing buddy i think can be one of the best because it's somebody who's actually going through exactly what you're going through and you've got that bonding whether you write in the same genre or not or in the same country doesn't really matter but the act of writing you both get each other straight away and i think that's an absolutely huge thing to look at I, i'm sort of hitting a lot of these at the moment because i'm working with john wright who's the director on robot overlords we're putting together this screenplay for a new film and he's up in Manchester, he's editing a TV show, and he's going between two edit suites, but every now and then he has an hour free. And we get on Skype and we I, I share you know the script up on screen and we go through the script and we read back and forth to each other. So you've got the limited amount of time, you've got the you know that ticking clock, you've got that accountability partner as well. And also, funnily enough, a lot of the time he's not free until like six in the evening. Normally you know, I'm like Fred Flintstone after six. That goes off, pointless goes on the telly. You know, I'm, and my day is done. I'm helping with dinner and all the kind of other things. But uh, he, we had a chat the other night, an hour-long chat where we talked about the end sequence, like ten, last 10 pages of the script, and I had to go and rewrite them. And I had the most productive evening. Uh, what, you know, Beck was saying about, because normally I'm a morning person, but suddenly it's eight o'clock in the evening and I'm tapping away. And I'm doing 10 pages of script and I sent it back to me and he was like, bloody hell, you haven't mucked about, have you? You know, so it was that thing of I'm I'm in the zone. I mean, you know, so having that accountability partner, the ticking clock. Yeah, it's all working for me. Definitely. Wow. It's just fascinating, isn't it? And having that check in is 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 quite unique in some ways because people don't get that opportunity with someone there who isn't writing with them. It's quite a unique setup with you and John because John isn't actually writing, but he's he's as much involved in the project as you are. And that's, yeah, that's... It's, it's, it's one of these things where it's screenplay by me, but story by the two of us. 
Uh, I mean, it's a different. It's a totally different thing with a screenplay because he's. I've said this before. The director is the person who is on the set with the sides. You know, the day script, and he has to make sense of it. So he is very invested in making that script be as good as it possibly and have. And he needs to have the greatest understanding of the script before he goes on set because you can't waste any time. So he can't sit there going. what was he thinking when he wrote this? He knows what I was thinking because we've talked about it for hours and hours and hours. He has complete understanding. So it's, it's a great way of working. That's brilliant. So I've got a question for the studio audience, for all of our lovely folks who are with us today. Um, 46, 47% of you said that you don't have a daily writing habit. I want to ask the question, having listened to Beck's interview earlier, is there one takeaway that you're going to try to try to, to, to establish some form of writing habit and routine? Because maybe if you do, we could follow you through on the podcast and see how things go, because that's part of the experiment. The other thing that's so cool about the word experiment, which we never really realized, I think, when we set this podcast up, but the idea of experimentation is it's okay to fail. It's absolutely quite acceptable. In fact, we quite it's celebrate failure because it means that we're all just trying. So it's one of the best at. <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's absolutely perfect in some ways. So I think it's really great that we all are constantly trying something um, and and celebrate failing. You know, I, I think I told the story before, but if we, you know, the kids come home from school, I love to ask them around a dinner table, tell me one thing you failed at today. <laughs> and then we celebrate because it's a perfect opportunity to say, you know, you're trying. And, and if we all take on that that kind of idea of, of experimenting and knowing that it's okay to fail and we will fail, then we don't end up beating ourselves up. So um, let's have a there's little a, look and there, see there, who's... There's, there's a great line in The Last Jedi, which is my favourite of the new three. And I know it's one that it, it's total Marmite film, but Yoda, Yoda, no less, says, failure is the greatest teacher. Mm. And he's right. He's absolutely get, right. Get that so, on a t-shirt, yeah, I think. Yeah, exactly. Robin actually says she's going to try um, adding it right. So adding her writing right after taking Puppy for a walk because hopefully he'll be calm then. So that's really interesting. So it's actually looking at those external factors that can influence your writing and break in and, and, and interrupt your writing and doing something with, with that which can prevent that interruption happening. So I really like the idea that you're thinking kind of something external, which you can actually affect, even though you not, can't necessarily always control it. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, Kerry says she's going to start scheduling getting 200 words done before the school run. Like it. And then we talked actually in a, in a private chat we had about how it's important to have a prompt, something, and actually Beck mentioned the same thing. She called it um, following an existing habit. So Kerry, one bit of advice for you in terms of scheduling it is, is what's the trigger going to be that will start the writing? Because if you're looking at doing it before the school run, that's the end of the process. So take it back to that 15 minutes before. What's the trigger? Maybe the kids' lunches are done or you know, the kids are out of bed. <laughs> That's one of my favorite ones. Um, something has to be linked to that, the prompt that then says, right, I have to start writing now. Um, so that would be, I think, one of the areas where we, we, we struggle when we, we look at the end of the process rather than what actually triggers the start of the process. So that's pretty cool. Um, Laura said um, for her, it's about um, looking at this negative loop and understanding and being aware of that and working out how to kind of make things more positive again. So that's that's huge as well, because 
first step, and I think Yoda probably said this, Mark, did he at some point, but first step is awareness. First step is understanding where you're at. Awareness is the first step, yes. <laughs> I see a whole range of Yoda BXP t-shirts uh, happening on the merch yeah. side of things. That's fantastic. Brilliant stuff. So, Mark, let's talk a bit about social media or is yeah. there anything else? If you want some good news, we got we. It's, it's, there's a lot of good news over over on the socials. So uh, where do we start? Where do we start? Well, let's. Uh, John Howard got in touch. He said a journey of a thousand miles begins with the first step. That's a bit of a Yodaism, isn't it? And uh, ninety one thousand and two words later, I'm proud to say the first stage of my journey is complete. This is my first ever the end post. My drink of choice is a nice glass of refreshing water. I wanted to include a photo of my phone as it's where I wrote 90% plus of this first draft. Uh, In the cracks of life, 10 minutes at a time. Uh, Many, many thanks to everyone who has supported and encouraged me and all the inspirational posts in the BXP group. Woohoo, I'm an author. So, John Howard, huge, huge congratulations on that. Doing it on the phone as well, that is just massive. Isn't that a brilliant example of everything Beck talked about, of just grabbing... Absolutely. Those 10 minute, and look what happens, guys. This is pretty yeah. much. Congratulations, John. That's amazing and very inspiring for everyone else to hear. Uh, we had a note from Paul Ardwan who says, Here's how this month has been going for me. Every day, ugh, I don't want to write today, but it's just 200 words, 15 minutes. Then it'll be done. I won't feel like I didn't make any progress. Okay, 200 words. Then I'll stop. Ah, this scene's working. I'll just finish it. I might actually be on a roll. A bit more then. 3,000 words. Uh, he says, I don't know how long this sorcery will last, but I'm letting it ride. So that's the thing. It's just that two, just thinking, okay, I'm going to take a little bite. I'm going to take a little bite of the cake. And then all of a sudden, all the cake is gone. So it's, uh, that, that, is, uh, that is great, Paul. Great, great stuff. Um, some really, really cool news from Aggie Bloom Thompson. She said, well, Mark Stan, Mark DeVoe, and all the BX Patriots, that's a new one, um, dreams do come true. I'm thrilled to announce my first book, I Don't Forgive You, will be released in the summer of 2021. Hard to believe I wrote and tried to publish my first novel 20 plus years ago. See, all you have to do is stick with it for a few decades. How's that for a motivational minute? So, Aggie, yes! Brilliant! Yes, 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 yes. That is fun. So there's a there's a press release here. It says, former police reporter Aggie Thompson's debut, I Don't Forgive You, about a photographer struggling to fit in among the mom cliques in a new DC suburb when she's framed for a neighbour's murder and must frantically try to uncover who's destroying her life by impersonating her on social media. So it's uh, it was a deal in an auction, two-book deal. Uh, so this is fantastic. Aggie, huge, huge congratulations. That is just absolutely That's massive, brilliant. isn't it? 20 years yeah what yeah. what a phenomenal if there's ever an award to be given for never giving up i think it definitely definitely goes never give to up that. never fantastic surrender news. now uh andy chapman uh now this was great because andy had a sort of end of january deadline and he's he set that at the beginning of well, well i'll go through it he said good morning this is on the first of february good morning experiments last night was a bit mental i made a public declaration here i'll complete a novella by midnight on the 31st of jan on the first of jan i only had one chapter yesterday morning i still had six chapters to write i decided to document my race to the end with short videos on tiktok which i saw they're on twitter and instagram absolutely hilarious i need to give myself the added pressure of other people's expectations midnight came and i 
still had three chapters to go. I finally finished at a quarter to two this morning, feeling frazzled and slightly nuts. It's done. Much polishing to do now. A cover is in the works, and the story is called The Gnome. It's a homage to creature feature movies from the 80s, Critters, Gremlins, The Gate, and Ghoulies. Fantastic. Oh, love it. Uh, and the basic idea is inspired by Brothers Grimm's story of the same name. So he did post the cover, and it looks absolutely fantastic. It's on the BXP group. I mean, if you follow uh, Andy Chapman on social media, you'll find it there. Uh, this was only the first part of my public declaration. The second part is to complete a story called The Projectionist and The Wall People by 30th of April, and then to finish a movie screenplay called Price of Life by the last day in June. It's going to be a busy year. Andy, fantastic, mate. Really, really good. Absolutely really, really amazing. Just amazing. Just superb. Uh, and then we went, ha- Angela Nurse uh, got in touch this morning. I finished the first rewrite of my book, Jack in a Box. I've added around 6,000 words during this edit, which is fab as I'm an underwriter. I didn't expect to g- get through this so quickly. I have to thank the BXP 2020 Challenge. I've unearthed a few issues that are going to need my attention on the second rewrite, but not too worried about that. So that is just terrific, Angela. Great, great stuff. And last but by no means least Rhoda Baxter shared a link Uh, now this is um, she says some news you know that book which I started writing in 2003 and didn't get published till 2019 it's only gone and been shortlisted for an award Uh, so this is this is not just any old award this is the Romantic Novel Awards the 2020 RNA and one or two of the experiments are on there as well so Jenny Keir Lorna Cook Daisy Tate and Rhoda writing as Jeevani Charika are all shortlisted for awards for the 2020 RNA Awards. So that is amazing. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. That's phenomenal. Now we're talking about, we, t- we literally have about 160 people in the BXP team at the moment. So when you think about ratios, <laughs> that yeah. is pretty amazing stuff. It's really, well really, done, everyone. Really good. That's fantastic. Just amazing. Just incredible. Absolutely fantastic. Well, brilliant. It has been such a pleasure being with you all today. Uh, we have some wonderful things coming up for you in the next couple of months. We we are lock booked, Mark, with guests, aren't we? Going into late late spring, early summer, I think. It's early absolutely summer. brilliant. Yeah, yeah. chocker. Absolutely, absolutely phenomenal. Chocker. Really good we, we are so we're so happy that the the, the bestseller experiment challenge, BXP twenty twenty, is working for you. And we do want to encourage everyone who's been listening to this, and they might be thinking, well, what is the BXP twenty twenty? And there are still people out there that don't know. So we're going to keep banging the drum. Two hundred words a day. That's your target. You you. You can sign up by going to bestseller or just to bxp2020.com is the easiest way to sign up. And then there's a form that you fill out every day with your word count. It's as simple as that. We are seeing people writing between not 200 words a day, but between four and 600 words on average. So it, it does, it gives you buffer. That's what I've noticed, Mark. I'll put my hand up. I missed a couple of days beginning this month. It's been mm-hmm. a hard start yeah. of the month for me. I've missed a couple of days, but I'm so far ahead of my word count this year because yeah. of what I did back in January and now catching up in February. So this is the thing. We want people to feel the success of this experiment rather than feeling that they're always beating themselves up. So get along to bxp2020.com, sign up. And more importantly, if you're doing it, if you're doing it, do tell us your word count. If you miss a day, doesn't matter. Stick it in on the next day as a separate entry. If you've missed the week, put your put your entries in as the week. And as we had some people, they even put their entries in at the end of the month. That's okay. Better to do it daily to get the habit. Um, but also we want to really encourage everyone who's heard about it, everyone who's part of it, is to invite a friend to come and join you do it. Maybe make them your, your accountability partner. But invite them, tell them, because we've had people starting writing for the very first time and there are more and more stories. If we can get more and more people into writing, then this 
this writing community is going to flourish and we're going to have more success stories like we've seen over and over again the bxp team so get on over to that and we also want to thank all our patrons as well mark don't we for for continuing to support this show yeah we've had a flood of them coming recently uh pete coombe Ellie Barker, Gareth Lewis, Hayley Coulter, who's here tonight, Thea Derricote, Michelle Imagawa. Thank you all. You are all wonderful, awesome people. If you're listening to this and thinking, hey, I'd like to go to the live show, I'd like to get involved, um, come and join us on Patreon. Uh, if you become a chart topper, you get everything. It's $10 a month. You get the deep dives, access to the BXP group on Facebook, which is probably the best value thing of the lot. Uh, that community is just amazing. You get the episodes early. You, get, you can submit to our one-page punch-ups and come to the live shows. Go to bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support and you'll find all the links and things there absolutely and if you want to get in contact with us mark and i love to get your emails we read every mm. single one pop over to the website and check out the contact uh, link on the navigation you can send us a message that comes to both mark and i's inbox we are not these people that have all of these uh, butlers that read our emails for us and deliver them on butlers <laughs> one day maybe mark hey, maybe one day some spam for you sir i have a hot knob <laughs> for you sir you've just done your 200 words today congratulations uh, so pop over to the website and and do get in contact if you prefer getting in contact um, on the socials, we really recommend dropping us a note on Twitter. We like Twitter at Bestseller XP. And we're also on Pinterest at Bestseller XP, Instagram at Bestseller XP. And come and like us on Facebook, Bestseller Experiment. We are there and we're getting, we're well over, I think, one and a half, nearly pushing to, we'd like to get one and a half thousand people on there. So if you're not on there yet, rush on over and like us. And then we can tell you updates about all the shows that are coming and ask you for questions for the show as well. Tell your friends. Tell your, if you're liking it, tell your friends. Spread the word. Spread the Absolutely. word. Absolutely. And we should probably mention, Mark, because we are trying to promote the fact that promotion is really important amongst writers. We mustn't forget to tell you about our book if you've not if you're new to the podcast you may not even know there's a book out there mark and i wrote a book called back to reality it's out ebook it's out on audio and uh it's out on paperback as well and you can get that from all good all good ebook stores um also to mention um beck who was with us earlier her book how to have a happy hustle is coming out next week as an audio book for the first time and also a us edition which is super awesome and so check that out as well so brilliant thank you so much to everyone in the studio for joining us we'll see you around the same time next month if you'd like to get involved it's bestsellerexperiment.com forward slash support thank you so much mr stay and it's a goodbye from mark one and a goodbye from mark two it is yes. goodbye. Mm. Goodbye. bye everyone have a great writing week bye bye